What's up, man? Hello, man. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, very good to see you. Long time no see. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I feel like it's 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 probably been over a year, right? Because we probably saw each other at movement camp last year. Yes. Yeah, over a year for sure. Yeah, I like your swag. Look at the hat. It looks nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a new thing. Really? Quarantine feelings. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of time thinking in another stuff to do. Yeah, so you guys aren't do haven't done any class, right? Live, no, not yet. Probably next week we're going to start some really, really small operation on the rooftop of the facility. Okay. But not inside the facility. Not since March? Not since March. Yeah, more than five months now. Wow. Wow. So what have you been up to? Like, how have you, I mean, have you been doing like online teaching, like classes? What, what does it look like? Yeah, we were very fast and smart on our feet, like since the beginning. We started to feel that this was going to hit hard here. So we already was thinking about how to structure the classes uh, in a different way. And then boom, lo lockdown. As soon as this happened, I had a meeting with the teachers and mm -hmm. uh, the Zoom. Mm -hmm. The first time using Zoom and then now it's a daily thing for me. Zoom yeah. all day long. <laughs> And it reminds me when I was like, when, right when it was happening in New York, I started just looking up like different apps and websites and things that I could use. Yeah. And Zoom wasn't even the first option. There was one I was going to use that came first. Then I, I don't know, I researched something else and I found Zoom, but it hadn't hit yet. Yeah. And I feel like it was same. like a week later, all of a sudden it was like, you know, I wish I had yeah. stock in Zoom. Yeah, the same here. And we, we, we just didn't wasted time like okay that's the new reality let's play with that uh -huh. and i said to the all my teachers we are five to six teachers in the facility and i said so from now on let's presume that we're going to stay the whole year like this because we don't know how much it's gonna long like if it's gonna yeah. be one month or the whole year and it was a smart thing to do because until now five months so since the beginning, we started to, to meet each other like daily almost and mm -hmm. talk in the WhatsApp group. What else we, can we do? So we are also using the Google Classroom platform. Mm -hmm. We started to put some content there. I'm recording like daily video calls to the students and send to them, mm -hmm. not just with movement thing, but also uh, words of support. And we are Letting, we're recording all the classes and letting putting some description on YouTube unlisted uh, links, mm -hmm. putting the descriptions and so they can make it whenever they want in their mm -hmm. homes, like recorded classes. And we are also still trying to, to think in another alternatives to keep like giving them like real education in these difficult times. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you said something at the very beginning that was really smart that I don't think a lot of people were thinking. The way you said to your teachers, let's, let's imagine that this is how it's going to be for a year. Mm. I think a lot of people really, I think it's just, you know, maybe humans being optimistic or something, right? Thinking like, yes. oh, well, this will just be three or four months. We'll just take a long vacation or the idea that you're basically like, no, 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 we're going to change the whole business for a year because let's pretend like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, yeah, and, at the, and at the very least, like, I mean, we're already almost six months here and it's like that, that mindset 
is was the right move because if we didn't think like that we wouldn't do this like full on yeah so we had to do full on let's mm -hmm. provide real and full education mm -hmm. in this situation here so yeah let's let's react to that are there any pieces of it that you've done now where you're like oh you know what this has worked out really well once we open again and we're like functional i want to keep some of these pieces because like it, it, it's proved to be valuable. A lot of things, man. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a pity a lot of things that are happening. A lot of people are suffering. A lot yeah. of business are suffering here as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, this online support, mm -hmm. it came here to stay for sure. Mm -hmm. Like even for all the students that lives in Brasilia that will keep going to live classes, but we are going to provide this online support and uh, this tech technology is like a tool to, to provide a good education. So a lot of things is gonna uh, help us with mm -hmm. this. Also, the pedagogical interventions, the material, because I was talking to the teachers yesterday in a meeting. I said, like a lot of things that we are forced to develop, to teach from far with the screen, mm -hmm. maybe we would reach like to this kind of ways of teaching in 10 years or never but now we are forced to to find ways to teach mm -hmm. so imagine how many things we are developing right now and also we are creating this archive mm -hmm. of content mm -hmm. and it's forever we are saving and i'm 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 saving the classes okay classes uh, these days it was the focus was on that on that on that topics and then we can research in the future. So yeah, it's a lot of good things as well. Right, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, the value is only for some of these companies that are suddenly now realizing that their employees don't need to be working every day and that they can change the work week and stuff. But I'm, I'm, I, I think that everything is gonna change. And this is a good example, even just like the way people approach teaching movement or fitness or any of these things can fundamentally change yes. because people are going to grab onto some of these pieces. And even when it goes back to being live, that can be integrated into to whatever the system is or whatever the, the methodology is, or it can continue to change and it can add to layers of creativity like you were talking about. I feel like when I was teaching the live classes, I did it six days a week from March 14th up until three weeks ago. And the same thing, all of a sudden we stop and I have 120 hours of classes that it's just mm -hmm. like, I have this, these, this video archive that I can go back and be like, Oh, well, that's interesting. Look at, you know, how we solved that problem there. Um, yeah, there's so oh, much to it. Also another powerful stuff. It's a, it's a powerful word autonomy for mm -hmm. the students. Mm -hmm. This I'm, I'm talking to them about this topic since the beginning, mm -hmm. like what good opportunity to develop this autonomy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, after like one month, two months, three, they started to say, now I'm understanding what we were talking about the autonomy. Now mm -hmm. I know how to, to train alone, to practice alone, to program, to, to understand that they, they have the material. So this autonomy for me is priceless because I keep saying to them, don't get dependent of a teacher mm -hmm. or a place, a mm -hmm. physical place because this is not sustainable and this is not real education. The, the real educator should give autonomy to, to their students. And this is, is very difficult 
I'm not saying that I do this 100%, but I'm trying to do this better and better and probably it will never finish. It's an impossible mission right. to, to give like the, the most efficient education, but it's a good mission though. It's hard. I mean, I feel like people are inherently, a lot of people are inherently dependent, right? So it's, it's a hard, it's a hard place to land. I mean, you know, it, it's just like the, you know, finding people who are just like, oh, I can take this and run with it on my own and I'll work by myself and do what I have to do. I mean, those people come across, come along like few and far between. But I remember yes. talking to some of the people like when this all began and people being like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it without a group or a space. I'm like, listen, this is, this is how it's going to be. And like, you're going to need to like start figuring out how to like crack that nut because yeah. it, it is really wishful thinking that it's going to change quick. And for you guys, it, it, it started much later, right? I feel like um, the coronavirus was, was much further after it was in New York city. It kind of hit Brazil. Yeah. I don't think it was much later. Uh, end of April here, I think okay. we, were, we were already in the lockdown. I think it was like two or three weeks later, and then mm -hmm. we started. And also about what we were saying, the movement practice and that concept of restrictions that mm -hmm. brings freedom, mm -hmm. it, it's, it also gets a lot of things that uh, are transferable to real life. Like, oh, but right now I don't know if I'm going to be, a, if I'm going to adapt to that. But in the classes, in the practice, we have the opportunity to work on the non-perfect scenarios where you have a lot of restrictions and uh, you create these restrictions. The teacher creates the, these restrictions sometimes so you can develop. So I try to put this idea to them as well. It's not the perfect scenario, but it's ne it never is the perfect scenario. So let's work with what you have, we have now. And let's okay. try to, to make the, the knowledge transferable Mm -hmm. It's a movement practice, but we're also trying to do a life practice here. Right. Yeah. I talked to a, a few people who teach like improvisation and they talk about just the idea of, of creating constraints, right. And the, and how valuable that is, right. The constraints is where, you know, you, you have the opportunity to problem solve and, and, and develop new information. And this is basically a giant constraint. Yeah. Right. And that, a lot of people that work with creativity in general has this concept inside. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and and people who 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 know it like see create see uh, constraints or they see uh, like spontaneous like things like the things that they the, the unplanned events, the failures, the falls like those are like the opportunities to like learn the things. When everything's going perfect, things really aren't being learned. It's just happening. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and what opportunity to to feel this in the skin right now? Mm -hmm. Everything that we are planning now doesn't mean much. Yeah. I was planning a lot of things for this year and it didn't happen. So mm -hmm. it creates the opportunity to a lot of other things happen. Well, you look. This well, you you look good. You look happy. You look like uh, you've uh, been like taking good care of yourself. Have how what how has it like changed your day-to-day and -day your practice and in, in, in what you're doing no oh, i tell you man uh, it was it was hard for me in the beginning in a sense that maybe now i i, I found the balance a little bit is it more it's more inside me this balance mm -hmm. but at the beginning it was like 
a lot of work. I never have worked so much in my life mm -hmm. like I'm working right now. And uh, I think I, I reached the, like this pre-burnout twice in this mm -hmm. quarantine. But it also made me much more aware of what's my limit. Mm -hmm. And when you are working from home, it's very easy to lost the sense of how much am I working? When should I stop? And at the beginning, I committed a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So then I said, okay, let's put the foot in the brake. Mm -hmm. And I tried to force myself to do some things that I'm not actually thinking. So more passive entertainment, because most of my entertainments are active. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not teaching movement, I'm practicing movement, and then I'm working in the garden and it's also mm -hmm. movement, but I, my, my head's there. So I, I reached this pre-burnout a few times. Mm -hmm. And I also, I, I got very sick in the beginning. I got this Corona right in the beginning. I did the wow. blood test now, I'm, I'm with the antibodies. It doesn't mean much because we don't know much about that, but mm -hmm. it kind of gives a little bit of a relief. Mm -hmm. Okay, at least I have the antibodies now. And I think that this just got me, and we, we don't understand these diseases well, but because my immunity was a little bit down because of the amount of work, the stress, and trying to, to help and solve so many things, and also the psychological layer of the students, I tried to take care as well, because I saw that I was shaking a little bit on this layer, and I said, okay, let's talk about that with them. And then a lot of people started to reach out for me, mm -hmm. And this is something that we, we are not talking much in general, I think, in the world, like how it's affecting this, this psychological layer. Now it's the, the trendy term is the emotional hygiene, the psychological hygiene. But yeah, we should do this like we do in the body. We should do in, in other layers of ourselves as well. But yeah, now I'm, I'm really happy. I found the balance. I'm, uh, the community striving in a way we lost a lot of students but we also gained a lot of other students as well and uh, it's an opportunity to to make our values and put ourselves as a school because we like to call ourselves a school not a gym like in structure what are our values what uh, why do we exist what's your mission why we exist so it's also a good opportunity to, to make us stronger in the philosophical layer as well. That I agree with. Well, I think a lot of people, it's giving people room to breathe and reevaluate a lot. I've talked to people who are parents and they've said that it's really made them think about what, how they're gonna structure their days and their time now that they've gotten to spend more time with their kids and, and things like that. And I've heard similar stories about people who, who are practicing and they're like, you know, it's making me reevaluate where I want to be spending my time practicing or what I want to be practicing and, and my approach. Cause it's like when you're in the gauntlet, it just kind of keeps churning you. Right. Yes. I'm curious. So you said there are some like passive activities that you've, you've been embracing. Like what are some of those things? Yeah. Sometimes it's just a silly thing. For example, uh, I'm a stepfather. I have my stepson 10 years old and he was like, please, let's watch Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. And I said, okay, let's watch it. So I watched it uh, in the last week. 
Jurassic Park 1, Jurassic Park 2, Jurassic uh -huh. Park 3, Jurassic World 1, and today we are planning to, to watch Jurassic World 2. So this wow. is the kind of movie that I just don't think. I let myself on there. I don't need to, to try to understand because it's everything very obvious. And then he's laughing and he's afraid and okay. And I, I just turn off my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. Also, I started to read more the classical Brazilian literature, like the, the romances, the old ones, mm -hmm. uh, which can take me a little bit out of the reality. I like to read a lot, but whenever I'm reading something that is related to psychology or business, I don't turn off. So I'm looking in this quarantine for more books that can take me out of reality. Mm -hmm. um, I also started to do some, some things that I used to do when I was younger, like some mountain bike trails. It's near here. It's not, not, not very crazy thing, but just to be in a trail and to be full on there, not to fall. It's something that I can take. It's not passive. I know, but right. Right. But it's, it's, but it's different from what you were doing previously. Yes. Yes, for sure. And you said, and you said that you had the coronavirus. Yes, I had it. How, how, how did you feel? How long did it last? What was like the, the symptoms? What, what was your experience? Yeah, it's funny because it was right in the beginning and mm -hmm. it was before the lockdown and I had contact with a guy that uh, I think he, her, his wife arrived from New York and she confirmed that she had it and then he, he confirmed as well. I was with him in a room practicing for a while, like two hours. And I was like already like three days, like coughing and a little bit tired. And I said, look, I, I never, I never get this flu. Like I, mm -hmm. I have some, some kind of cold once every two years, three years. And then he's confirmed. And, and then I said, okay, maybe it's that. Mm -hmm. I went to the doctor and it was right at the beginning. People didn't, were not testing people here. And he said, go, go to your house, stay on quarantine, blah, blah, blah. I, I did exactly what he told. I didn't stay like 14 days. I stayed like 23 days without going to the supermarket, nothing. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to, to spread that mm -hmm. ethically. I said, okay, okay, let's stay home. I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. And, but I didn't know if it if was it, but I started to cough and the, the first five days was hard. Like I was like walking in the garden and I was like, okay, like I'm feeling a little bit of a lack of air. Yeah. And my wife, Isabella, she felt something in the throat, but she didn't get too much symptoms. And it, probably she got it, but and we won't know. Okay. Uh, after two months, I decided to do the serology test to see if I have the antibodies. I did it and I, I was like full of antibodies, 19 IgG. And then I said, okay, Bella, you should do this because probably you have the antibodies as well. And she didn't have it. Wow. So probably just a few people are developing and, and it's logical that probably people that are having symptoms that, uh, that are developing the, the antibodies. So yeah, it's reaching each one in a different way. Now yeah. in here, it's, I think it's like United States. United States, Brazil and India, we are like crazy. So a lot of cases, a lot of students already got it. Uh, a lot of some parents of like really, really close students, uh, unfortunately they passed away. Oh, so yeah, it's close. 
That's so sad. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, being in New York was really a, a unique experience for this thing as well. I mean, we, we left pretty quickly, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people in other parts of the world and other parts of our country can't even grasp what it's like to be in a place like Brazil or like New York City with the way it's been and the way it was. You know, I think a lot of people are, you know, to, to them it seems like fiction almost. Yes, yes. Right? You hear and, like the way people talk about it and you're like, no, 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 no. If you've been there, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really crazy. It's changing everything. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, but I, I released a video yesterday. It's in Portuguese. You want to understand it's, it's uh, in spite of you really look like a Brazilian. Yeah. We've talked about this before. I feel like I, I, I've, I'm letting people down by not knowing Portuguese. I think yeah. it was, I don't know if it was the first time we met, but it was sometime when I just yeah. said to you, I was like, I think when there are a lot of people who come up to me and they start talking to me and they think that what I'm, when I'm about to speak, that they're going to hear you talk. <laughs> as soon as I saw you, I said, I think he's my friend. I don't know why, but <laughs> I think I know him. <laughs> I, to, I don't know if I told you this. There was a time I, I was at a Brazilian restaurant in Brooklyn, right around the corner from the Henzo Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. And Henzo Gracie was there. And he came up to me and I think I really let him down by not being Brazilian. I think because the first thing he asked is, where are you from? <laughs> oh, but if you come to Brazil, probably people will, will won't even like, you just start speaking Portuguese with you. Yeah, you have that face. It's funny. Yeah. Um, so I put this, this content on Instagram, uh, 17 minutes. It's a manifesto, uh, open letter to the students. First, I just sent to the students, but then I realized, okay, probably it's going to be nice to put it public and other facilities, other schools can take advantage of that because we could have opened the facility since July 7. So more than 50 days that we are allowed to open and most of the other some fitness facilities and some dance things and fight facilities opened already and we didn't open not because we were not prepared for that because since the beginning we did all of the things of the protocol of cleaning and, and yeah all of the things and also pedagogical interventions not just operational interventions like i said but ethically we felt that it's not the right time it's not the right time to do and we we tried to hold as much as we could even though financially we started to feel a little bit. Uh, but right now, we, like I said in the beginning, to take care of this psychological layer is also something that we think it's a little bit of our responsibility as well. And there are people that didn't get adapted to the online platform. Mm -hmm. And they are, they are not the risk group and they, they are alone and they really will take advantage, would take advantage of like this connection to people. Okay, so let's open with all the precautions in the rooftop, just 10 people. You have to register in the website first. You have to be in the two square meters mark using masks. We are not allowed to, to take shower there in the facility. Uh, you have to take your own water. You have to take a tennis shoes inside the bag to use just inside the facility. And some other interventions so like this it was a hard decision to make 
And, and also we said, if you are adapted to the online platform, if you are okay with that, you are doing the classes or you don't feel secure, stay home, stay home. And if you are going to do the live classes, respect who's going to stay home. Don't keep posting like, oh, it's so much better here with people because respect the decisions. And also try to mentalize because sometimes people are just willing to get back to classes, but they just, just didn't realize that it's going to be totally different. They, they're just thinking, okay, I want to get back and hug people and touch people and stay there on the floor and share the equipment. No, mentalize a little bit how it's going to be to be there with masks, not touch people, don't share the equipments, have a lot of precautions. And probably people won't, be, won't get so much excited if they mentalize this first. So it was nice to say to them, mentalize first so you don't get frustrated. That is such a great thing to put out there to people because I think there are people, because now in New York, things are starting to open back up a little bit. And, and I don't think people are going through that process of being like, hey, just take a moment before you go in and really imagine what you're about to go into because mm -hmm. it's not going to be the thing that you were planning on. Like I got an email from my jujitsu school and they're going to reopen in some way, mm -hmm. but it's going to be solo drilling. And they kind of wrote it in like fine print. And I know that everybody's just trying to get their information out there. Mm -hmm. But I think they would benefit from saying like, just know what solo drilling is. When you're used to coming in and doing jujitsu, when you're like hugging people for an hour and now you're going to come in and you're going to wear your gi and you're going to be in a mask and you're going to be in a little box separated from everybody. It's cool, but you should really know what that means before you show up because it can be emotional. It can be a huge letdown to people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really smart to, to imagine that before. Yeah. I respect, and I respect that you stayed closed too. I think that that's, um, I mean, that's hard too, because there's a lot of money involved and, and, you know, people are making business decisions that aren't necessarily health decisions and, you know, governments are making compromises, but that's like a responsible thing to do. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard to judge people that uh, I'm not judging. I didn't judge since the beginning. Yeah. And people open, but everyone has a different reality. And with our reality, with our values, with our situation, we decided to remain close. Mm -hmm. But not trying to say, to compare or saying mm -hmm. that it's the best decision. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's hard to say what is the best thing now. Best well, no, but no, but no, well, yeah. nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's, but it's like, I forget where I was reading it, but it's like, you know, nobody really gets celebrated when nothing happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like something has to happen for there to be like a hero. Yes. But really, we don't really want anything to happen. But nobody mm -hmm. celebrates that when like something doesn't happen because you don't know what it was. Yeah. Right? So like you can make the right decision and, you know, still people will be like, well, what was that about? See, nothing happened. You're like, well, yeah, nothing happened because yeah. it wasn't a thing. But It'll never be celebrated in the way that like after an event and then some sort of like hero thing, you know? Yes. And when some people, somebody's saying like something is going to happen and it happens, mm -hmm. you say, okay, I said that. But when you, when you are saying nothing is going to happen and it didn't happen, nobody clapped to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. You <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Um, but I respect yes. it, man. I'm so happy to hear that. Do you, do you live like, now is this are you are you living and teaching in the area that you grew up in as well is it the same are you are you close to where you grew up 
Yeah, Brasilia is a two million people city. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, it's not a big city, it's not a small city. And we are right in the middle of Brazil. I live close to, it's the same name, it's not the same neighborhood, but it's the same city. It's the, the, the same, we used to say like in Brasilia, it's a kind of a fantasy island inside Brazil because we have a lot of poverty here. We have a lot of social differences, but inside Brasilia, uh, it's, it's a pity, it's a shame, but the structure of the, the government managed to put the poverty away. So uh, Brazil is one thing. So my parents live here 20 minutes by car. I'm right now in 25 minutes by car of my facility. It used to be five minutes walking for, for three years. So I was going to the facility five minutes walking three years in a row. And now I got married, I moved here, so I have to drive. This is some other thing that I'm rethinking a lot because like spend like 50 minutes driving every day and now I'm most of the time home. Yes, I, I can see a lot of values to not drive that much in despite of it's a good opportunity to listen to podcasts. It's like the automotive automotive university, like my right. friend used to to call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I live I live close. I I born I was born here in Brasilia. I was growing up here, and I think it's a good a good city to to get old to create mm -hmm. a family. So you said that Brasilia is kind of like a its own little island there that's a little bit different from other parts of Brazil. Is that what, that's what you said? Yeah, it's it's funny. Look, um, sometimes people ask me, "Is that safe to go to Brazil?" And I said, "Yeah, it's it's relative. Like, you don't see. Like, we have a lot of violence here, urban violence, street violence, but it's hidden in some places." But in Rio de Janeiro, for example, it's all together. The, the favela is inside the city. So you go to the beach in the streets, everybody is walking together. Right. And I think that's what everybody thinks of when they think of Brazil. Yeah. Right. Like people who don't know, that's like, that's the image that comes to people's heads. Yeah. But a lot of people from abroad, like my, my friends from movement friends came here. Uh, Ido came here a few times already. And people, people don't don't feel like threatened in the street here in Brazil. And they say, hmm, it looks pretty safe. I never get robbed here, for example. But if I call, if uh, one of my friends from Sao Paulo or Rio, probably they got once in their lives. But you don't feel this threatened here. And, and, and sometimes you, it's tricky because, okay, there is not so much poverty here. But if you drive, 30 minutes out of the city is the same thing of a favela. So yeah, this, this social difference is something that it's a little bit more hidden here and people, oh, it's nice. It's a nice city, but probably you're not seeing the not so nice part. Right. So when you were growing up then, were you aware of that? Were you kind of aware of where you were at or, or, or did it take some time as you were growing up to like make these observations? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad I have a lot of good experience in life and I had a lot of contact with people from Capoeira and it, it, it was in a neighborhood a little bit close to mine. I had to go by bike 
And it's not that it was a, a poor neighborhood, but it's a, it was already a little bit different from my reality. And then Capoeira World showed me to a variety of, of people, of ways of living in Brazil. And so I, I, I feel a lot of connection to people that have less conditions, financial conditions here in Brazil, which is the majority. So this is also one of the things that for my business, for movement education, I keep thinking, how can I spread that and not make this elitist? Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of people here that can take advantage of this movement thing. Well, that's a, that's a problem, I think. There's someone who, there are people who asked me, this guy interviewed me for an article. I don't know where he ended up publishing it, but he was, he was at UCLA and he wanted to write an article and he was just like, among all the things that he wanted to talk about, one of them was like kind of addressing the thing about movement being a little bit elitist and it not being accessible to a lot of people. And I really didn't have a good answer for it. I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I think it's something that probably needs to be addressed because it doesn't seem like a lot of people outside of a certain group and above yeah. can get their hands on it and the information and the education. So what are, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Yeah, probably one of the, the layers of all of that that we are calling movement. Now, movement, it's a tricky name, yeah, because it's a big umbrella. And uh, movement, what, what movement? So probably a big part of that it's elitist mm -hmm. and and it's i'm not saying that it's a bad thing because it's a new culture it's a new thing mm -hmm. and sometimes it, it i'm not defending that i'm just putting out my thoughts but sometimes it needs these constraints to grow mm -hmm. a little bit more clean but at the same time everyone has a body everyone deserves to to receive this this education mm -hmm. and and honestly, we don't need a teacher. This is something that is in my mind for a long time. Honestly, we don't need a teacher. And sometimes you are a teacher and you have a student and the students start to produce a lot of good things and thrive and succeed and, and yeah, I'm a great teacher. But probably he reached out in despite of you, not because of you, because he put the work and he had this this autonomy moment, autonomy, you are alone, you, you research actively, heteronomy, you are in just receiving passive the knowledge from the teacher. But we all know, I know, you know, if you just like try to say, and, and, and if people are not willing to grab the content and swallow and make it your own, they won't develop. So re in reality, we don't need a teacher, but the paradox is with a teacher, with a good teacher, you can like develop a lot more, more efficiently, more fast and have better insights. But the intervention of the teacher is not that much that people used to think. It's a short, it's a short interval of time that you are with, with the students. It's a really short intervention. And that's why it's one of the professions for me that I'm, I'm really passionate about, about. My mother was a teacher, my grandma was a teacher, and I think I have this in, in my blood. I'm really passionate about. We, as teachers, has to study more, I think, than most of the professions. Because 
the impact is so small. So you have to, in, in this small frame of time, in this small opportunity, my mission is to create the biggest impact possible to the person, to the student. Mm -hmm. And now I start to deviate from the subject, but uh, this is just something that I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot recently. And I'm thinking in ways to, to make more public content without disrespect, without corrupt the material that I spend a lot of time researching. I, I paid a lot of money and I am devoting my, my life to that. So I think that we as teachers and as practitioners, uh, actually this word practitioner is very powerful. Uh, it, that, that, that this, this sentence, like we are all teacher, we are all students, but probably we are all practitioners. It's, it's a good one as well. We are all practitioners. And then we as practitioners that teach and study as well, we should find these ways. We should, should, should find like, so I don't have the answer how to spread this. It's so, it's, it's so challenging because I, you, you were talking about being a teacher and I have a whole family of teachers as well. My grandma, my, my great aunt, my, my, I have an aunt that was a teacher. I feel the same way about teaching. And I've, I was having this thought while you were talking that in our like modern culture, teachers have kind of taken this role a bit of like elders in a community, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't really have that in the same way anymore that we would have had in like a more like tribe, right? In like a tribe, everybody would have been interacting all the time, different ages, different groups, different levels. Everyone is, is, is working together all, all at the same time. And there are elders who are exchanging information down. Now we've like divide, I mean, at least in the United States, but I know a lot of places like we've divided everything up. Everybody that, you know, the seventh graders are together, the eighth graders are together, the ninth graders are together. All the old people are over here. If you're in your thirties and forties, you're working here and nobody is, is having that like interaction in the same way where the information is constantly being exchanged. And the people who are these young people uh, or anybody who would have been getting information from elders who are just constantly feeding it down, aren't getting that anymore. So teachers have kind of like filled that role and maybe they would have played it in at all times, but it, it, it ends up being almost this like bigger thing, right? When we think of it as like an, as, a, as an elder sense. Yeah. I think we, we lost with this, this way of living, this modern way of living. I think all Western people, but probably everything that you think that, Oh, probably in the United States, you can think that in Brazil as well. We yeah. are pretty much the same, and in the good and the bad ways, unfortunately. And yeah. we lost the opportunity to have a lot of mentors mm -hmm. with this way of living. So I think that in living in a community, you have much more opportunity to have mentors. Mm -hmm. And that's why today this word mentor, it's, it's so, it's a trend. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who said that. Uh, I don't know. He said that if you don't have a mentor, pay for a mentor because this is very interesting. Yeah, yeah it, I think that it has some value in that. If you don't have a mentor, pay for one. But also, I think that some human relationships, it's also very, very, if you find it without having to pay, even better. Mm -hmm. And this community thing as well is very powerful, not just because uh, of the mentors that you 
you might be able to have living in a community. Mm-hmm. But because you, you have a, a home there, you have a, a real uh, structured character there. And I try to, to make this in my community as well. Everyone has like a, uh, how do I say that? Like a, a function there. Mm-hmm. Like, so you are the, the one, I don't, he, that there's a guy that don't talk much and he don't say much and he's very shy and he comes, but he's there every day doing the work and giving the example. And someday I, I just sent him a message. I said, hey, I just want to, to say thank you to you because we don't talk much. You are a little bit shy, but you are a strong part of the community because you are there every day putting the work in your way. And you inspire a lot of people. Probably you don't know, but a lot of people are seeing you there every day. And he answered me with a uh, like a letter in the WhatsApp, saying a lot of thank you for that. And that this, how powerful was that for him? I don't want to to talk much about that because it's very personal. But this is and after read this message, this is the kind of feel. This is the kind of energy that keeps me moving and keeps me doing trying to do what I do better and better. Yeah. Again, it continues to like play to that idea of like these, these types of communities playing this role that we would have normally had like in tribes. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this like cycle where like, you know, children, teenagers, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and it kind of just keeps kind of working in this circle and and you know we start working in isolation more and more in like western culture and right everything is kind of like fragmented and put into like its boxes and we take that part away but people still crave it they don't even know it and it's happening and like to to see that kind of thing happen within your school that's like uh that's what people want and that's what people need and 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 we're missing it in so many ways and i think that when you talk about people's mental health or mental hygiene or the psychological yeah. issues, I'm sure a lot of it comes back to that kind of fragmenting, right? Yes. And also very related to that, it's the missing of rites of passage because mm-hmm. uh, usually we would have much more like rites of passage. And, and now probably when we were in your 30s and then you start to think, oh, how, how many things I did and, and how difficult was that time. But it didn't have a clear end or a clear beginning like this this change of of, of life this big mm-hmm. impact so sometimes is the, the movement practice can provide like these little moments as well not, not the movement practice i don't want to sound like okay the movement practice is sacred and it will provide no but the movement practice as a tool for for life practice yeah, I mean, it's like, a, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like any of these things, you know, it's like you read like, you know, Zen and the Art of Archery, and it's like, it's the same idea, you know, like, yes. you know, we don't have a lot of discipline in our in our culture currently, right? And, mm-hmm. and discipline is synonymous with practice. And practice can instill some of these values and understandings and, and analogies and, and important qualities that help you kind of like navigate the life space right analogies and jokes and jargons jargons is that a word in english yeah jargon yeah absolutely jargon yeah yeah I, mm-hmm. I, i'm glad i didn't invent any word yet 
because when I'm speaking in English, I start to invent a lot of words. Oh, no, no, no. Your English is fantastic. I'm, su I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably when we met each other, like five years ago, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't like that, man. Yeah. No, it, yeah. It, it's, it's good now. I feel like in five years, we need to do a podcast again, and, and it'll be in <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm, I'm going to have to practice. What, uh, when, when, did, when did you start doing capoeira? Was that while you were like uh, really young? Yeah, I was like 11 or 12, I think. Uh -huh. 1999. And it was really big in Brazil at that time, right? Yeah, it is and it is not. Like, mm -hmm. sometimes I used to say to my students, when, we're gonna, when I am going to teach, for example, the diagonal stretch, like, mm -hmm. have you ever made capoeira? Position yourself like a jinga, like that, that mm -hmm. basic position of capoeira. And then I keep, I keep like making this joke. You are Brazilian. You should have made capoeira at least once in your life. Please. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a joke. Uh, uh, probably it was a little bit bigger before. And it was bigger in the most, more poor communities. Mm -hmm. But it, it is big. It mm -hmm. is big. And... Because I, I talked to somebody who's from Brazil and I remember, I think it's like right, right when I started doing jujitsu and he was like, oh, you know, jujitsu is, is huge in Brazil now. And, it, and he was like, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu took over for capoeira. Like, you know, capoeira was really popular then jujitsu became really popular, but he tried to describe it. He was like, it's almost like the way skateboarding is or was in the mm. United States. Like every kid was doing capoeira at one point. I don't know when, but he was like, that's kind of like how big it was. I think, I think you're right, but probably it was a little bit before I started. Okay. I was a kid. I mm -hmm. remember, I remember seeing the, uh, the global news, like at night having dinner with my family. Mm -hmm. I think I might be seven, eight. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy that already passed away here from my city, Brazilian, Esquilo, Mestre Esquilo. Mm -hmm. and there, that was uh, some documentary on him and the TV. And I said, oh, it's, it's it was really really strong, like on the soap operas, it was happening. So probably it, it happened a little bit, this mm -hmm. capoeira to BJJ and like all the, the sports trends. And mm -hmm. it, it keeps changing, but the most radical communities and the most serious ones keeps practicing. Yeah. And also so capoeira is a big word here because, okay, capoeira, which kind of capoeira? Because it's not just like the Angola and the, the regional, the, the more slow and, and old and, and the new. That's also a lot of styles from the regional and a lot of styles. So it's a big word. So what? So where did you kind of start, and what 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 style and, and world of capoeira were you? Was was your entry point? Yeah, I started in uh, regional, which is the the more the new, let's say like this, more fast. And I I'm I still consider myself like. A capoeirista, in despite of not practicing, but I'm practicing movement, and, and for me it's inside. And I also have a good relationship with my teacher until today, Master Christopher. And uh, I started him with 11 or 12. Uh, it was a capoeira group, a little bit more oriented to the the fighting thing. So it was not like the the floreo, the acrobatics, and the beauty. Uh, way of practice. Uh, 
So sometimes like people used to might think, ah, okay, but he do, he do, Rodrigo does a lot of things on, on Instagram today, not because of movement, but because of capoeira, but no, I have to, to take my head to movement and to all these years studying with Ido and studying by myself and, and, and researching because I was never like that much of an acrobat. And I didn't have this, this kind of capoeira more, more artistic. Mm -hmm. I was like more linear, linear kicks and mm -hmm. protecting or every time protecting the face and, and, and feeling a little bit the, the threat. It, mm -hmm. Because I was going to street uh, hodas, the street circles of, of cracks. And it, it's a tough, it's a tough environment. I remember myself like getting older and getting bigger because I used to be, I, I'm, I'm not tall, I'm, I'm small and I used to be very, very skinny. And I remember myself having to, to lift weights and more and more and more and getting bigger because, the, because of the, the threatening of the, the, the practice. I used to go to street hodas, mm -hmm. like my heart was pumping the heart rate high. Like everything could happen, you don't know. It's a, it's a place that teaches you a lot. But also you have to take care not to get traumatized by that. Can you describe like that kind of scene a little bit? Because, uh, yeah, I don't, I, like, I don't know. I can't even imagine like what that scene looks like to where you feel like I need to get like big and strong. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want, like what, what, like what happens there? I mean, are, are, is it kind of, is it more of a fight? Yeah, it, it's funny because capoeira, movement and capoeira, capoeira has a lot of movement nutrition, to quote Ido, uh, a lot of movement nutrition. So you are in a constrained space with uh, interacting with another body that sometimes it's in full opposition, sometimes you don't know. So uh, the, the uncertainty is there always and in my kind of capoeira it was a fight and you start to play and maybe you take a, a banda how do you know when you, you you pass the foot and you drop the oh the like, a, like a trip yeah yeah like a trip <laughs> and you take a trip and then you try to give one another and then it, the blood starts to get warm like we say here uh -huh. and then like a lot of uh, wrestling techniques, BJJ techniques, most of the capoeira guys used to practice BJJ, so sometimes it's on the hard floor, it's not a tatami, it's not soft, and I saw so many, so many times in my life, like a bigger guy, I was a kid and I saw like some adults taking another adult and throwing it in the floor at the hard concrete, so I'm not saying that it's always like that, and mm -hmm. it's like all, always this tough environment, but it, it's part it, 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 it's like, it's, it's just like, it, it's like, a, it's the way that any, I don't know, like it's, it's the way any kind of conversation or communication can go. It's like, it can go one way, it yes. can go another way. And it's like, it has, it, it, it's a, it sounds like it offers the openings to kind of take the conversation wherever the two mm -hmm. people who are speaking yeah. need it to go. And I'm sure there, there's all the in-betweens there, there's yeah. the hippie, Peppy, hippie peppy people that just go for capoeira like really okay let's feel the body no right. fight at all they don't put the fight layer 
and there's people that just fight and there's all the in-betweens and more acrobatic and more this and more that and more cultural and yeah, like everything. It sounds, it's so funny though, when you talk about it, it's you, like you could have been describing jujitsu right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause there's some people who are like, yeah, they just want to like flow roll and everything. And then there are people who have like a chip on their shoulder and they're just like, I'm going to like barrel through people and I'm going to like hmm. make sure I like leave feeling good about myself. It's very interesting that way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to hear. Yeah. I, I started BJJ, BJJ and Luta Livre, which, which is also a grappling fight here from Brazil mm-hmm. uh, in like, two years. I'm practicing. Yeah. Two years. And it's nice to practice that uh, as an adult and with a background in, in all the, the physical education and the capoeira and the movement and stuff with another lens. Yeah. It's nice to practice. Oh man. It's amazing. I miss doing it. That's something, you know, in the last six months that I've really been craving. Yeah. Um, You're missing some fluids from other people, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I need someone's sweat to fall in my mouth. I'm missing yeah, I, think, it. I, I think our microbiome is one <laughs> of the things that is getting more frustrated right now because we are not getting much diversity anymore. I know. It's like, why are we not near people? It's so funny. Yeah. yeah I'm sure it's suffering. So then, so you're, so you're, te- you're doing capoeira. Did you start teaching capoeira at some point? I taught, I taught for a while when I was 18 until like 22, 23, I was teaching. Mm-hmm. I taught mostly kids mm-hmm. and people from my age. It was very, uh, very rich moment for me. Mm-hmm. I was a teenager and I, I had all this responsibility to teach. And I think it was my, my first like experiences as a teacher. And I also, I admire a lot my, my teacher from that time. In Brazil, we have, for you to know, like it's, I think it's one of the only places in the world like for, for you to, to be a PE teacher, a personal trainer, Mm-hmm. You have to spend four years in the university and have the degree and stuff. And I was in the university that time while I was having class with my teacher. And I was like studying all the Piaget, Vallon, Vygotsky, mm-hmm. all, all the, the didactics, pedagogical things. And then I was seeing him that didn't study in the university, like applying, like in, in like the, the real practice, like as a good teacher. And I was in love, like to see that and how, how I respected him and how the other students respect him. And I was a lot influenced by him for sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that way. I have a, when I grew up skiing, I've written about this before my, because my, my ski teacher who taught me when I was really young, about 10, and then he became a mentor of mine until about 16, took me like biking and all these things. But, you know, he was one of the best teachers I ever had. Ever. And he hadn't studied how to teach. He hadn't read anything how to teach, but he was like, he had the respect. He knew how to communicate. He knew when it was time to talk, when it wasn't time to talk. And, you know, it was beautiful. It was like when that thing that, that to, when it's time to be harsh, when it's time to get soft. And yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is beautiful. Yeah. And I just think, you know, people do get caught up on just like always just like trying to read it rather than getting out there and like doing it right because there are plenty of people who are out there who have never read a thing who like do it yeah we have to do it Mm -hmm. our practice teaches us a lot like you can study you can talk about movement and you can read all the books and you can watch all the videos 
and you can be the the how do you say the keyboard warrior mm -hmm. and but if you're not practicing you're nothing so you can read a lot about all the theory about mm -hmm. pedagogy but if you are not teaching if you're not there mm -hmm. yeah probably I, I i don't i don't think so so what so what is your degree in then so you do you got a degree in in, in like kinesiology yeah, physical, or something physical education is the name i think it's a little bit different from us us you have to do like semiology or biomechanics or something like this yeah for me like all of that was included in one course like physical education is the name here so it's like and everything from this more uh, pedagogical uh, didactics licenciature i don't know if it's that a word like what is teaching. it licenciature i don't know i think i'm inventing I, the first word i invented okay <laughs> i had to invent one word okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, so it's more like this regular teaching like in regular schools and mm -hmm. also the the academy and research and gene stuff so i had like all this theory about uh, education and also anatomy biomechanics uh, physiology physiology one physiology two anatomy one anatomy two biomechanics kinesiology and it's a it's a good it's it's a good thing but like i said you can spend your four years university and get nothing mm -hmm. or you can like with your autonomy and dig the things and eat the the content and become the content so i'm glad i i relieved the university mm -hmm. i was like there and i was like making part of the the research trying to to research and trying to to, to like to live that mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. but i think it's important to say that in despite of being a teacher since my 18 and never stopped teaching after the university i let i start to study for like a regular job here in brazil brazil is the capital so we have a lot of opportunities to study pass on a test and work for the government mm -hmm. and like it's the dream of a lot of people that works here people used mm -hmm. to say oh you get the freedom for the rest of your life but in my case it was like i, I got the prison prison mm -hmm. so i think for most for a lot of people it can be like this so i studied for two years i passed in one of these tests and I worked like in, a, in an office, eight hours a day in air conditioning, mm -hmm. like sitting in front of a keyboard for three years. I, I was practicing, mm -hmm. I was practicing movement, I was studying with the Do in all mm -hmm. these years. I was teaching, not much, but I was teaching, but mm -hmm. then I decided to leave. What, what were you doing there? What, like, what was your job in the office? Uh, funny, <laughs> it was with education, like educational projects. Uh -huh. So funny enough, even like I could have the chance to pass in a lot of different tests and inside the, the organs that I passed, I could have worked with some other stuff. Uh -huh. I was working with educational projects and like researching the, the material and how uh, also like uh, working with, how do I say that in English, like when the government have to buy a lot of things for the schools, like and um, making this this kind of yeah i i, I, I won't be able to explain oh, like, like 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 budget like budgets and stuff yes yes okay i was working like bureaucratic things mm -hmm. the theme was schools education but was 
far, far away from what I'm doing today, but it gave me a lot of things as well. And it was during that time that you started training movement and when you started doing online coaching with Ido? Yeah. So in despite of this blocked myself from so many things, it gave me a lot of financial freedom because I was mm -hmm. earning a fair amount of money here. Mm -hmm. So I met Ido on the internet and I said, okay, I didn't know English at that time. So mm -hmm. to, I started to study English like reading his blog and I started to in, in my between moments in the job I started to translate his old blog to Portuguese so I was like studying movement and English at the same time mm -hmm. and in the first opportunity I traveled to Miami I did my first workshop and then I it was like like a rocket and then I went to Australia and then I brought him to Brazil then I went to Thailand I was full-on online coaching student and live student I, and then I, after two years, three years of that, I said, okay, it's time to leave the, the boat, the old job boat and dedicate myself to, to movement, to, to teach. I was teaching like more private. And then the, the students start to say, Hey, this is so precious. This is so rich that you are teaching me and it's transforming my life in so many ways. This should be done in group. Have you ever thought about opening? So. I received this pressure and then I realized, yes, of course, I love this and the world need this and I can make a life with this. So it took a while, like three years, like struggling, but now I, I started to earn the same amount of money that I was earning that time on my old job. Yeah. So it was a big step. It was hard as fuck. People thought that I was becoming crazy. What? You are leaving your job. No, you are crazy. Today, right. the, the, the dream job, like in, in, in the your area, job. The, the, the job that everybody wants. Yes, that's it. And then you are crazy. Don't do this. Uh, you're going to regret. And man, today, I cannot even imagine get back to that life. I'm not saying that this is the terrible life. Yeah. I met a lot of good people there. And I met a lot of people like that were having a good balance. But yeah. for me, it wasn't, it was not sustainable. I'm sure I wouldn't be like this. Probably I would be on, on medicines for the head right now. Right. So how did people find you then when you were, when you were working that job, but you were kind of like dabbling and teaching, it was, were people just finding you because they were seeing you like training at, at a gym or something? Yeah, I, I was training at my, the gym that I was a regular teacher for a while. <laughs> And then I started to leave the, the machines and the traditional stuff. And then I started to lock myself barefoot on the, on the room and started to do some other things. Then one of the teachers there, uh, he was an intern there and he's a friend. He was a friend before and he's a teacher of Pratik until today, Vinicius. He's now a fireman. So he, he I talked about Matthew with him a lot. Like he is a fireman, but he's also a movement teacher. And he said, okay, I want to study that with you. He was my first like real student. And then I started to teach my mother and my father and my family and the closest one and my friends. And then it, it then my, my wife said, Hey, there's a friend. She, she needed to, to start to do some things for the body. She's like coming back to the body right now. Can you teach her? Okay. I teach her. And I started to, to, to grow more and more. Then I started to make like these little encounters. Okay, uh, I have to teach you, you and you. 
why don't we come together and do a group class? Like in, on my, my parents' house, on the living room, after work, <laughs> after work eight hours a day, like in the office job. And then I said, okay, I, I started to receive a lot of, and I started to put myself up on the social media as well. I didn't have uh, Facebook or Instagram at that time. I said, okay, let's make an account and I'm gonna start to share some mm -hmm. things at least if maybe i change my life people will start to know who am i let's put to the world what i what i'm trying to do here mm -hmm. and i start to do this and then some people start to contact me hey do you want to to make a partnership but that kind of partnership that like we say in brazil everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die right they just they just wanted my knowledge and put the money then receive back mm -hmm. and then i started to say okay if they are offering me this, I should be, I should like try to do this by myself. Mm -hmm. And then I was, but I didn't know anything about business, about, about like work as a, as a businessman and how, how is the bureaucratic things in Brazil. And if you think that you have some bureaucratic issues in the United States, you should come to Brazil and say, thanks God, I don't live here because to open a business here, man, you have to be a hero. You start to pay to the government even before you start to, even before you put the name of the brand in that. So it's, it's a really, really big challenge to, to be a businessman here. And okay, I need to, to make this. And then I said, okay, I will try to do this alone. I'm glad my father has just retired from his job. He was a banker and he said, okay, son, you, won't, you will not do this alone. I will do this with you. I help you. And then my sister was working in Rio de Janeiro and, and with uh, marketing and production of events. And she said, okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to come back to Brazil. Let's do this together. Wow. And my father and my mother was my first student. So she, she's the heart of the community until today. And also <laughs> Bella, my wife. So it's yeah. a family business. So then, so you opened the, the, the space that you're in now is not the original space, right? Or did you rent it? not the original space. So first okay. I rented that place. Uh -huh. It was a small place. I rented that and I was still on the office job. Mm -hmm. So I, I was teaching in the morning, go to the job, then spend the morning there. Then on the lunchtime, I had to teach one class, have lunch, get back to the job, spend the whole afternoon that. Then at night, one more class, go home. So at the beginning, I put these two boats uh, to, to sail at the same time. And then at some point I said, okay, now it's good. Let's jump. It was not easy. I had to reflect a lot. I cried like, oh my God, why can't you do this, man? Create balls, please do this. But at some point I did. Then I, okay, now let's just do, let's move. I left the job. I had more time to teach, to practice, to research. And then we started to grow, 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 grow until the classes started to lose quality because mm -hmm. we were in, I think, 70 square meters mm -hmm. and put 35 people inside. <laughs> I said, okay, oh my God. that's enough. We need to go to a bigger place. And then we, we built this. We bought the terrain and when created, we constructed this facility from the ground up. It took some, a lot of time. The bureaucratic issues like gave me the biggest 
headaches of my life. Wow. But we, we did this. But now you own the whole thing because you bought it. Like the land is yours. The property is yours. Like, and you built it from the ground up. Like you don't know, you don't owe anything to anyone except for whatever the taxes and things are that you own it now. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. We, we were going to spend some good years paying some things, Mm -hmm. the investment, but the return is proving to be awesome. Not just financially, but the, the, the things that come with that, like to, to really be passionate about the thing and teach that and believe in what you are doing. Right. Well, now it's like you have some like, I guess you can rent something and you you kind of put your stamp on it as you build it out. And there's like that craftsmanship there. But like when you own it and your heart is in it, basically from the dirt to the roof. Yeah, it's right? different. It's yeah, different. It's, a, it's a different. So imagine to come to this place, to come to this place for five months alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. now. Man, yeah. I come there and it's beautiful and I got really emotional there. It has the energy of a lot of people there that put the, the blood, tears and sweat there. Yeah. But I, I keep sending videos like, oh, I miss you guys here. I yeah. miss you guys here. Yeah. I, I have to, I want to come and see it now. I like, I feel like once the world is, is ready, I want to, yes. I want to come down there and, and, and see it because I've, I've seen it online and I remember thinking, I was like, God, this place is beautiful. But I didn't yeah. realize that you had built it from the ground up. I mean, that really is amazing. Yeah, we had the chance to create that that place as modular as possible, like to really to really fit the movement facility because a movement facility should be modular. Mm-hmm. It, it has to. You don't know what you're going to teach. Like, it's, I'm not saying that the practice is random. Yeah. You put the shuffle button and oh, today I'm going to teach this. No, it's exactly the opposite. It has a structure, it has principles, but you don't know what you're going to need in the next cycle. Uh, well, it's like, the hum- it's, it's like the human body, right? It's a complex yeah. system, so it's always changing. Yeah, it's always changing. So yeah. the facility is like this. So I, I can uh, attach a big bar of metal in the wall and I can detach that. And... Uh, a lot of metal and wood, like everything there is built is like strong. So it's more anti-fragile to use Nacinta Lab's term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people can like do things, can use the stairs to come to one room to another, but okay, let's do a more large stairs and a firm one that people can do a stair jump and can mm-hmm. climb up doing lizards. I don't know anything and there, right. there are no rules. Man, that's beautiful. Gosh, I can't, I really can't wait to see it. I mean, this sounds like I said, I remember I have to now. I want to know more about like, um, the, you, you, so before we did this thing, this chat, I asked you to send me a little bio just in case I could use it for like when we put it up online. And then it said that you, you spend a lot of time farming. Yes. I want to know about that because also the term was not a term I was familiar with. Um, Syntropic farming? Yeah. Yes, I'm going to explain a little bit about that. So, yeah, uh, it's a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. People might think, okay, you have a background on that. No, I think the only thing I planted in my life was a bean in a cotton when I was in the kindergarten. <laughs> um, four years or five years ago, um, Bella, my wife, already had this, this willing to plant. And we received a friend of her and she worked with that. And she said, and we have a big backyard, like half an hectare. So mm-hmm. it's really big. 
it's, it's the area that we are not allowed to plant, to, to build. Mm -hmm. So people cannot build anything. But most of the people here, all the neighbors, they, they put like a soccer field that they never use or they put fire every year so the, the grass don't grow high. So it's a shame, like instead of like regenerate the earth and, and plants food. So she said, why don't you plant here? And I said, because I don't know. And she said, I teach you. I said, okay, teach me. Mm -hmm. And then she started to teach me. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I got familiar with this concept, syntropic farming. Sometimes people say, ah, oh, you are gardening to relax. No, I'm not gardening, I'm farming. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. heavy stuff. It's a physical practice for sure. Mm -hmm. And, and syntropic farming is a, a term that a guy from Swiss, Ernest Goethe, he came to Brazil on the 70s. He used to be a botanical scientist in Swiss, and then he started to travel the world researching the native ways of production of food. He went to Costa Rica and then all over the world. And he chose Brazil and said, okay, that's a good place to be. He went to Bahia, he bought a farm there, a farm that used to be a monoculture for the whole life. Like the, 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 the soil there, nothing, just like grass. Mm -hmm. And he started to plant a forest and people thought that he was crazy. And today, like it's the most biodiversity of the, the whole area, the whole Northwest of Brazil, it's in his farm. Wow. More varieties of food and animals. Mm -hmm. he, he produces the most expensive cocoa in the world but he regenerates the earth, some water sources that didn't, was not, wasn't there anymore. They started to flow again from the floor, from the ground up. Like I think 13, 13 sources of water started to flow again in his farm after like 30 years planting and regenerating the earth. So he has this vision, like this syntropy. Syntropy is the opposite of entropy. So entropy is the destruction. The universe, when it's coming, is, is uh, entering the entropy, he's losing particles. He's going from the, the complex to the simple. So, syntropy is going from the simple to the complex. Mm -hmm. So, you grab an earth that has just a few nutrients, few diversity, few microbes, few life, and you start to put first the, the plants that can, can hold that environment. Mm -hmm. And you prune a lot. You put a lot of this material in the floor and then you put plants that need a little bit more nutrients. But now the floor is a little bit better. So mm -hmm. you can plant this and then you, you, you have to prune all the time. You prune all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you start to create an environment that you can plant anything. Mm -hmm. And people might think, oh, okay, but you are in Brazil. No, you, he is doing this all over Europe. He's doing workshops in Spain, uh, Swiss. Portugal in in United States is becoming very popular right now because you can use the principles. It's not that you will have a forest in your garden, but even in a, in a container and a vase of plant, you can use the principles that he, he came up with. So there is a term agroforestry mm -hmm. that you might be familiar with. So it's a kind of agroforestry or food forestry, but he put some concepts and some uh, like fundamentals to so you, you can pass the knowledge a little bit easier so you can grab a person that 
has no knowledge on that and teach in a way that I, I can do this in my garden. So right now in this quarantine, I'm planting a lot. I, mm -hmm. I almost, for vegetables, I almost don't go for the supermarket anymore. Wow. Like, yeah, and fruits, mm -hmm. fruits, the first year, the second year, you don't have so much fruits because he's, it's from a more longer cycle. But right now we are four or five years, we're starting to eat papayas, bananas, avocados, wow. lemons. Yeah, in the backyard. So, so, so just to be clear though, it's not just a garden then because you're, you're, you're developing an environment. So for people who garden, they will often just immediately jump to planting fruits and vegetables or something. You're yeah. building an environment and then by planting things that are more resilient in like weaker soil and then they develop stronger soil, stronger environment. And then within yeah. the environment, you can start to plant the, the fruits and vegetables, but you still have like the broader environment participating. Yeah, that's it. It's much more complex. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's an organism, it's a system. It is a complex biological system. So imagine mm -hmm. the head of a teacher mm -hmm. of movement, which is a very complex and biological system as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I keep doing a lot of analogies all mm -hmm. the time. So that's why I said that sometimes I'm not resting there because my mind is okay, this, this plant here, and oh, this complex organism has so much to do with, with my organism. Mm -hmm. I'm a living being as well. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the principles. There are a lot of other principles. For example, we have to cover the soil. Mm -hmm. that, that covering of the soil is mm -hmm. like the skin of the earth. Mm -hmm. So you don't, don't let the earth there. And people think that grass is bad. No, grass is good. It's better to have grass there. Mm -hmm. You let it grow and you prune and you put down and you start to create this life. Also, mm -hmm. we work with uh, different layers, different um, stairs, stracts. We call it stracts. I don't know if it makes sense in, in English. So whenever I plant something, I have like a coffee. Uh, it's going to produce for the first time right now, coffee beans. But under this coffee bean, I'm producing some pumpkin because it's it's from the ground and mm -hmm. the coffee is like a lower lower high. Mm -hmm. And then above above that coffee I have an avocado. Mm -hmm. And above that avocado I have a jatoba which is a, a native fruit here. Mm -hmm. So if you have a small place you don't need to to you, you cannot calculate the area that you can plant just from the ground. You you should calculate the the stairs. Right. It's nice. It's more more food in less area. That is so. At some point, then, is part of it to integrate animals in as well. Yeah, there are a lot of people doing this. Uh, I just have my two dogs that keep chasing the lizards and the birds, and oh, and as I say, you two stay here. Let me work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so there, are, there are a lot of people that are putting integrating that with cows, with mm -hmm. chicken, with pigs, and it's just, it's like following the principles of the forest. Mm -hmm. So chicken is a forest animal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not supposed to be in the sun the whole day. So mm -hmm. it likes like to be there in the shadow. Yeah. Also, uh, you can learn a lot by observing the forest. So you go there, okay. You think that the, the lemon tree, uh, in the monoculture, it receives the sun the whole day, but they are modifying genetically the seeds to receive that sun and to receive the chemicals. But mm -hmm. if you go to a forest and just and you see the native environment of the lemon tree, 
-hmm. it would be under a bigger tree, a little bit more shadow. So you start to create this, this environment for that. But yeah, people are doing that with animals. I have a plan to, to put some chickens here so mm -hmm. I can take advantage, not uh, just about the eggs, mm -hmm. but also they, they are organs of the system. So well, they, yeah, they're, they're part, the yeah, system better. right. They're participating in the soil and all the other pieces as well. Yeah, this guy, Ernst, he said that, that about us, mm -hmm. that here we have like areas of permanent protection from humans. Mm -hmm. He said, no, we should have areas of uh, permanent inclusion of humans, but of good, good humans, because we are agents mm -hmm. of, um, of the system as well. Mm -hmm. We are the big primates. So mm -hmm. we have a function here in the system. Right. We have to create this these uh, disturbs, like mm -hmm. put some trees down and break some branches, open the, so, uh, and, and it's a very philosophical thing as well. But he said, whenever you find your hole in a system, mm -hmm. the world, mm -hmm. you can feel like fulfilled, more fulfilled. So for me, it makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I think it's amazing. It reminds me of this book I read called the, I think it's called like The Hidden Life of Trees. Ah, I read that as well. You've read it? Yes. You may as well be reading a book right about human beings. It's the yes. same story in so many ways that, but yes. you know, if, if we didn't try to control everything. Um, that's, that's also a big part of that. In that book, it says as well, like we have a network, mm -hmm. a really big internet under the earth with mm -hmm. fungi and, and microbes and bacteria. Mm -hmm. They are all communicate with the roots of the trees and mm -hmm. sometimes you have like an old old tree there mm -hmm. and it's passing information of senescency of getting old for all the other trees around mm -hmm. and then you think that okay if i cut the tree i'm going to be bad for the system no probably the best thing you should do is to cut it will re-sprout again it will release hormones of growth to the earth it will communicate with all the environment around it's mm -hmm. all connected so sometimes you feel this like in the class, in the community, okay, mm -hmm. what should I prune here for the community to thrive as well? It's, it's a really nice environment to, to make the analogies. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. You know, I see it though out here a lot. I see a lot of people like, because we're in this area that's outside of New York City now, that's, it's a, it's a forest. Mm -hmm. But you see that people don't respect, and, and it's not their fault. This is just the education they have. They don't respect the interconnectedness of everything and the interconnectedness that they have with nature and everything that's happening mm -hmm. in nature with each other. And, you know, you see like these places where they just, they're like clean cutting trees to make their grass look perfect and things like that. And, and, and putting and water they, in the glass, wasting water all the year to maintain it green. Exactly. And, and it's really, it's not, it's not, uh, uh, it's denying their, their interaction with nature that they are nature right they want to yes. just control it and what you're describing is not controlling it's 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 more participatory yeah it's very powerful what you said like they they we think nature as a third person mm -hmm. but we are nature we are we are like uh organism organisms mm -hmm. living here we have a whole mm -hmm. have responsibility as well yeah yeah and yeah People can do can cause a positive impact even inside your small apartment. You don't doesn't have to have a big backyard to do this. Yeah, 
Well, even in, even in the biggest way, we don't give back though. At the very end, we don't put ourselves out there to like re-nourish the, the, the soil, right? We put our, people put themselves in boxes and, you know, die and get, you know, preserved in some way. And I'm like, no, 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 no plant a tree in my stomach or something like this is like you know i already said that to my closest uh, relatives okay please if i die yeah put me in the earth like or or make ashes and throw and plant a tree but please don't put me in a box yeah i I heard that there's actually places where like you can be like just put in the earth and then they like plant trees around you actually you can be put in the ocean as well you can use your ashes to, to mix with concrete uh-huh. and to rebuild like the reef, the uh-huh. reefs, uh, reefs, how do I say that? Oh, the reef, yeah. The reef, yeah, the yeah. reef. Uh-huh. So you can create life with you. Yeah, I mean, we, we do a lot of like taking and taking and taking and we, we give back so little and like in the biggest way at the end when it doesn't yeah. matter, you're like, yeah, give it back. That's the, the entropy and the opposite is this, the syntropy. Mm-hmm. You have to, at the end, you have to cause a positive impact. So mm-hmm. even if I left the land here, okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to plant anymore. I will go away. I left a positive impact. Mm-hmm. So it's there. Like I, I took something, I took some organism that was like in one level and I put, I don't know how many levels up. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, would, it would already happen mm-hmm. without me, without my intervention. But mm-hmm. probably it's, it would take like, I don't know, 300 years. Mm-hmm. But with our intervention, we can accelerate this process. So imagine we can cause a lot of negative impact, but the opposite is true. And mm-hmm. people just don't realize that. Yeah, well, because it's like I said, it's control and this constant like, I'm here and nature's there, rather yes. than being like, no, 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 no. Like, I am part of the rock, part of the tree, part of the bird. Like, we're all interacting together here. And probably a big reason why like things have, you know, gone the way they've gone with this virus as well is that denying of like the interconnectedness and and trying to control. I'm going to let you go in a second, but I want to ask you one more thing because you mentioned in the beginning that you, you like to read like psychology stuff. Um, What what are some of the books that you you've read and you've explored and what are some of the the things that you find fascinating? Yeah, I, I have a a really good professional here with me. It's my wife. Mm-hmm. She's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. She has the, the, the former degree psychologist. She attends people with that. She is very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. So even if I didn't read anything about that, I, I have this, this support. Mm-hmm. I also uh, am a practitioner of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Like I do it for myself for five years. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm five or six years doing psychotherapy for myself and i think it's one of the most powerful tools for self-knowledge that exists if you find a good professional a good i, I see i see him mm-hmm. as a mentor as well for me mm-hmm. um, i i'm also part of a men's group studying body psychotherapy it's a method called core energetic it's derived from bioenergetic so every wednesday we meet each other so it's very it's a subject very close to, to me. Mm-hmm. I never read like the, the technical and classical ones. Mm-hmm. I never read like Freud of Jung or Jung. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to read Jung soon. I am with the book here, but 
I read some books that has this psychological layer really strong. They're like Men's Search for Meaning mm -hmm. of Viktor Frank. This yeah, is a book classic. that I, yeah, it's a classic. Mm -hmm. So it's more that kind of books about psychology. It has the psychological layer uh, inside that. And if you, if you are aware, you, you can get the, the message there. Mm -hmm. Also like some videos and it's one of my areas of interest, but more as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Hobby, I don't know how it sounds in, in English, but in Portuguese, it sounds like a little bit a weak thing. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, don't, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and it feels the same here where it's almost like a, a hobby almost sounds playful, right? Yeah. But you're like, no, it's like a serious interest or a serious hobby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, we'll have to like exchange some ideas because I, you know, by accident, I ended up like reading more stuff on some psychology things than I ever thought I would, but I, uh, I find it all pretty interesting. I have I don't have any specific ideas on how things should be, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I have lots of questions. Mm -hmm. I will, I will send you some, some, some things probably. Also Zen Buddhism is one of my big areas of interest. I'm reading a lot, a lot of Zen Buddhism. What Alan have you read? Watts, uh -huh. Alan Watts, the, I read three books of him. I read mm -hmm. the, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind from Suzuki. Mm -hmm. I read The Gentle Art of the Zen Archer, I think, mm -hmm. from Herigal. And, and I'm also having some Zoom meetings with a Zen monk, like since the beginning of the quarantine, which is a, another good thing about that. Wow. I'm having the opportunity to, to do some things and to meet some teachers that I wouldn't have the opportunity yeah. for this quarantine. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've read, a, a most of those I read, uh, you know what I'm reading right now, um, is, I don't know if you've read any Jack Kerouac. No, I heard about it. It's yeah. on my list. Like classic American author. And I, I read his first book on the road and then I've been on reading. The road. That's it. But I, I started reading and it's funny cause I was talking to Matt Bernstein yesterday and he was mm -hmm. telling me kind of some things about like what he's been working on and what he's doing. I was like, God, it sounds like you should read, dharma bums because it just feels like it's it's kind of where you're at right now but hearing you talk i'm like if it, it, it sounds the same i'm like oh i think you should read dharma bums it's 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 classic <laughs> nice, yeah yeah I, I i'm in a point that whenever the subject of reading come up i try mm -hmm. to run away because i'm buying too much books and i have oh. to hold on <laughs> to i don't know if you can see to read them hold on i'm gonna try to show you here so, you know, we moved into my, my wife's folks house and I brought a bunch uh, of books with me and I've got them like stacked up over there. I don't know if you can see that. Yes. <laughs> right. But I'm the same way. Like I end up having like this list and then I'm like, I'm on Amazon and I'm like, all right, well, let's just get like these ones. And all of a sudden three more arrive. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll exchange some more ideas. I want to, um, I want to make sure I let you go because you've got to go watch Jurassic Park 15 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Such um, a terrible movie, but good for not thinking. But the first one was great. The first one is the, the best, yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I remember seeing it as a kid. I remember it was like my favorite movie yeah. for a long time. How old are you? I'm 34. Oh, well, yes, we're the same age, so we probably remember yeah. seeing it around the same time. Man, I watched it like four, four days ago again. Uh -huh. I, I still remember the, the dialogues there. Yeah, it was nice. it's funny how you remember like the dialogue from movies that you watched when you were a kid, right? Yes. Yeah, there's so been a many few impact. 
yeah, there's so many movies that have popped up while we're here. And as they're on, I'm like, how do I remember all the lines to this movie? Like everything from like 1993 to 1996, mm. I remember all of it. Um, where, like, um, are you doing any classes or anything online that people can sign up for and participate if they're not in Brazil? Is there any way people can continue to like be in contact with you or, or, or any sort of continuing education that you're making available to people outside of Brazil right now? Yeah, uh, actually, even inside Brazil, uh, we are still a little bit restricted, but we're mm -hmm. going to try to find a way to open the doors in a good way soon. Even people from Brasilia, we are attending, even mm -hmm. in Zoom classes. We started to make some exceptions for people that are friends and are following their work for a while mm -hmm. and have already this relationship established with us. Also, some friends from uh, from other countries, I'm, I'm inviting to to go to the classes. I'm inviting you right now. Actually, you can, you are free to, to come to any classes. It's going to be a pleasure to have you there. Thank you. It's in Portuguese, but whenever I have someone that doesn't speak Portuguese in the class, mm -hmm. I try to speak more movement, like mm -hmm. more body language, explain more, and also, of course, give some, some hints and some cues in English as well. And we have the, the Instagram page, Pratique Movimento, everything together. Mm -hmm. or my personal page as well but it's everything connected mm -hmm. and probably we are still developing some some things for for the future but right now we are really focused on right now i, I say like five years but five, right now these five years we are really focused to grow the community from the inside out so okay. all all the energy we are putting in the community and in despite of it's a great opportunity to spread some things i we took, we decided as a team of Pratiki to took the opportunity to put the energy here in the community and not spread, especially in that moment. I get it. Well, now that I'm invited, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be there, and I don't want you to just do any of it in English. I'm gonna I want to yeah. I'm gonna learn Portuguese and suffer through it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then I hope then you know not only will I get to come and visit you at some point, um, but I hope you'll come up to the U.S. here. And uh, and visit once uh, travel opens up again. And no, yeah. I know you're busy there, but you know, f find a week where you can come out and visit. No, I tell you, there is a lot of places that is on my list. But as soon as the borders open, there's one place which is the first one, which is Boulder. And there, mm -hmm. I need to visit guys, Zach, Matthew. Yeah. And this is something that I'm trying to do for a while. Mm -hmm. They are promising to go to Brazil as well. Let's see who is going to do this first. Right. New York Day. Yeah, but so, if I go, probably I have to to go to before I don't know Miami, New York. I don't know; it's a little bit far, but I will yeah. try to go to New York as well. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out. Who knows? Maybe I'll be in uh, in Boulder when you get there. Nice. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And now we're connected on WhatsApp, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna torment you all day. Yeah, <laughs> man. It, it was a real pleasure. I'm really glad that we had this conversation, and I felt that our connection got a lot more stronger. And, Me too. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel like you're somebody that like we had these short interactions like at movement camp and things like that. And they were always really good, but it was, we never had the time to like sit and yeah. chat and somehow like these kind of moments have been like some of the silver linings in yeah. this whole thing is getting to like have these like longer conversations with people and make so, these connections. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's something we have going forward now. So I was right. When I saw you, I said, oh, I think I'm a friend of this guy. I was right. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you were just forward thinking. 
Yes. <laughs> All right, okay, man. man. Thank Have you a good very day. Much. Big hugs for you, Ola. You too. See you later. See you. Bye bye.